you are listening to master's decoded podcast series i'm your host and the chief decoder anis merchant through this podcast i bring in guests who are successful in a different walk of life to decode and map out their careers and journeys with the hope that we gain all our learnings the world around us is changing exponentially and how the impact of artificial intelligence technology and other socio-economic factors have either influenced or enhanced my guest careers in today's episode i invite arjun khanna an entrepreneur and a fashion designer arjun khanna or ak is a couture that is synonymous with the most elegant menswear in india the designer's fashion and style sensibility is truly impeccable his contribution to men's fashion in india has been pioneering with his sheer imagination when it comes to his design his talent is evident through his outstanding collections that are guaranteed to please from celebrities business moguls and actors arjun's clientele includes famous personalities like rahul bajaj anand mahindra gautam singhania shekhar kapoor zakir hussain ranbir kapoor arjun rampal will smith sachin tendulkar harbhajan singh sir richard branson and many more Since September 2003 Arjun Khanna has also been the premier de- design director for the Raymond Suding campaign that exhibits the designer's distinctive elegant and signature style of perfect suit making and superior design In 2009 he was the only Indian designer invited to partner exclusively with iconic motorcycle brand Harley Davidson for their launch to India Without much further ado let me get on with it Hi Arjun welcome to Masters Decoded podcast series Hi Anish pleasure to be here sounds good Arjun you've been in the fashion industry now for last 20 plus years uh, and fashion as an industry is pretty big right Oh uh, you know that's such a large question to answer in a nutshell Okay let me address it let me address it sort of more um sort of give you a sort of whole or a larger larger perspective to the whole game Firstly, I've been in the industry almost 30 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I've, had a, I've had a fantastic journey. Okay. Uh, many, many ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, the fashion in- industry today is now finally a business. And it's a big one. Yeah. And it's here to stay. Uh, sadly, sadly, we're all going through a world crisis today. So I can't sort of make any references in the last, I don't know, six months. But prior to that... Yes, fashion in India has blossomed and blossomed really well mm-hmm. and become a huge, huge industry. I've personally actually watched this grow from two designers to four designers to ten designers. And I was amongst that brigade in, I think, 89 to be precise. Wow. When I came back from London and had no intentions of actually coming and starting any sort of fashionable career in this country because it wasn't really a... It wasn't really a uh, Uh, business that was taken seriously in those days. Uh, I literally came in for a, for a winter break. Okay. I was studying in London. I finished my graduation in fashion in, in the UK. And I came down and uh, met, I was very lucky and fortunate to meet a really good team at Ensemble, which was Tarun and his sister. Mm-hmm. And we all just got along like a house on fire. And I never looked back. I mean, and that's really when I started my career. So yes, I've actually watched this evolve. I think it's come a very long way from being a fickle industry to a very serious industry today. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, even even fashions in terms of trends, um, I pretty much focus only on menswear. Mm-hmm. And I branched off, I think, about six or eight years after starting my label post-89. Okay. into a solo menswear designer. That in itself, I've watched evolve in so many ways. I mean, we can sort of expand on it later, but yeah. uh, men, the way they dress today and the way they dress then, I mean, it's like north and south. It's like poles apart. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much I'm, I've seen this industry grow and I've grown with it and it's been fantastic. And... you spoke about 89 and you know that era 
or that phase was also very tricky in India as well because in India, people were still grappling with a lot of communal uh, aspects of the world. I, I'm sure you've lived it. I have lived it mm. uh, right till 1995. And there was a lot of unrest in the country as a whole. Uh, and yes. there was a lot of things going on. Uh, India was transforming, I would say. Uh, that was yeah. That were those six eight years were formidable for India, uh, not right. just from politics but also from the industry, uh, from technology, from everything, uh, and even television was really becoming big at that time. Media was becoming right. big. Uh, it because of the media, a lot of things which happened was because of media as well. Because people got more right. aware, uh, people got more understanding of what's happening around India. Uh, right and fashion somewhere was not really out there as you said uh, you know nobody had fashion on top of mind because of everything right. which was going around so how so did you really build about staying firm that okay this will become big not now but in the future so as i said i mean um, there are many many questions in that big question that you just asked me yeah. i'll try and address each one of them as you rightly said yes i mean uh, it was a formidable time those 10 years that India or the world was going through, uh, India especially. But as I mentioned, uh, when we all started in the 80s or the late 80s, it was considered a very fickle industry. Mm-hmm. Having said that, at the same time, there were some very serious boutiques. Also, there was a launch of Ensemble that had already been established five, seven years earlier mm-hmm. to that. I, I came in only eight years later. Uh, again, during that time, the fun part was we as designers pretty much paved the way as it is today for a lot of the younger breed that's now come in. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, there, there are pros and there are cons. I mean, you can say we paved it, it's easier today or it was easier then. However, the fun part of it was we could do what we wanted, when we wanted, how we wanted. We weren't dictated a trend. We actually were here to set the trends. Yeah. Um, also, being a fickle industry with so much else going on. Having said that, you know, even today, if you look at India as a as a whole, fashion is really a very elite, elitist sort of um, industry. It's not something uh, we don't have street fashion per se like you have in Europe. That is correct. Now, even that whole that whole thing, that whole deal, uh, has come a full circle. Now, the biggest brands today are going back to their drawing board and looking at themselves, introspecting. It's they've dropped seasons uh, with this huge pandemic. I keep referring to the pandemic because it's a game changer for for the planet. Yep. And it's time it's time we all sort of took stock and and woke up to where we stand. Mm-hmm. So I mean the largest largest designers are now going back to the drawing board, going back to an atelier space, a boutique space, which is where I started and I pretty much maintained it. I've never been a ten store sort of designer. Mm-hmm. Um. In those days, I was always questioned as to, you know, why the hell your contemporaries have three stores, four stores, five stores. You still have only one store. You're only just about opening a second store. You know, I was always really happy doing my own thing at my own pace. Um, and I and I think I carved a pretty strong niche mm-hmm. and a fan following and a loyalty base in my customer. Okay. Also, also it was very boutique. It was very sort of hands-on which is where we're all going back today. I'm yeah. jumping a timeline between 89 and, and 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said all of this, whilst India was also growing, yes, media was very simple in those days. Yeah. Everything was very simple. We weren't looking over our shoulder. Uh, it, was a, it was a freer-spirited time. Yeah. You know, it was even before... Even before terrorism took place the way it took place in India, yep. you know, I mean, even before 9-11 took place, even before, I don't know, so much hell took place. Yes. Uh, times were much simpler. Media was much simpler. It was uh, it was the good old-fashioned pen on paper. If there was an interview, there was a face-to-face interview. You'd have a team with these huge cameras that came in, yeah. whether it was on... <laughs> whether it was on Network East or on BBC or whether it was a local channel. You know, it was a, it was a procedure. It was a whole big deal. Yeah. Today, you and me are doing a podcast over a telephone. Yeah. And you'll probably reach out to a thousand million people overnight. 
Yes. You know, I mean, you've got Instagram today, which we battle. I personally battle getting onto Instagram, and I'm only a, a year-old Instagram um, product. Yeah. You know, I mean, when my when my contemporaries or or juniors have fan followings of that go into millions, you know. Mm. So I mean, media, of course, today is very very savvy. It's very fast, but I also find in the process we've lost. It's all about instant gratification. You know, you want it now. Yeah. You know, which is which is what I feel fashion shouldn't be or isn't or any form of art shouldn't be. It's a process, it's a creative journey which I think somewhere down the line loses itself, loses all respect for itself. And I don't know each one to his own. I mean, a lot of designers that it works for, yeah. lots of designers that it doesn't work for. Yeah. When I say this, I mean I'm talking from an artist point of view. Yeah, yeah. I I have never been I mean, I'm saying this really blatantly. I've never been a businessman. Maybe that's why I'm not a ten-store sort of guy. But I've always designed from the heart. Uh, if I don't like it, I won't speak it. So that's pretty much. I think. I think I pretty much covered what you sort of asked me in a nutshell. Not again. It's not talking yeah. about the stories uh, and Instagram. Uh, I was browsing through it, your profile, yeah. uh, your Instagram right. handle, and there were recently there have been some amazing stories. Friends right. and people whom you've dressed, uh, yes, and they just share how you approach fashion and specifically fashion for menswear. And you kind of touched about that you developed your niche on men's fashion. Yes, uh, and even within that, you have a niche. Uh, I see that you've, uh, from what, uh, when I looked at some old videos of yours, where you did Lakme Fashion Week and what. One of them was on cycles and bicycles, right. <laughs> right? right? And today you are dressing men up in the royal, but mixing contemporary as well as uh, the old to new kind of mixture. Um, right. And you spoke about fashion as an art also, right? And the re where yes. I'm getting to is, you know, it, it needs to evolve. It can't keep up yes. doing the same thing. Uh, so... You know, y would love to hear your perspective because it's so much, it's, you know, people have a perspective that fashion is, it's only for the elitist, but actually, like you said, streetwear, people can do it at home also if they have to, with what they... Absolutely, absolutely. So, again, I mean, my journey and my, and, and it's an ongoing journey, it's a never-ending journey. Yeah. Um, it's always been extremely emotional. Mm -hmm. For me, for me, every single collection is almost like giving birth to a child. I mean, it's like I have to fall in love. I have to sort of cry. I have to get emotional with anything I do. Uh, with every single show, and I haven't done that many shows, mm -hmm. really, compared to my fellow um, um, colleagues in the industry. Um, my shows have to become magnum opuses. They've got to tell the story. They've got to be a movie. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, they're all based around a theme that pretty much based around something that will trigger off an inspiration. You mentioned, you made a reference to the cycle show. Yeah. I'm an avid cyclist. I love vintage cycles. I collect them. I restore them. Wow. Having said that, I'll get into that topic a little later. Sure. Uh, I'm a huge vintage buff. Okay. I mean, I, I, could, I could be, and I am, fascinated by almost any and everything. I mean, I find inspiration in every bloody thing. And I'm, and I'm being serious here. I mean, I, and, and anything. I mean, it's a cycle. It could be a motorbike. It could be a typewriter. Mm -hmm. It could be a gramophone. Yep. It could be old black and white photographs. Everything turns me on, especially stuff that I have not been part of, something that is his historic or goes down in history um, that I wasn't part of. I mean, I just love the design and the intrigue and the mystery. Wow. And I just find even design... During then, whether it's a car, a motorbike, or a cycle, um, was unique. There was something special about everything. Mm -hmm. Today, I feel, I feel all of that, now here I'm talking about industrial design, has become almost sort of clones of itself. Yep. They've become generic. There's nothing exciting about it. The lines are the same. Yep. You know, Today, I drive in a, a Mark II 1968 Ambassador, which I've restored myself. Wow. You know, I, I just it just turns me on, and it's an Indi it's a status of it's an Indian car. It's made by Hindustan Motors, yes, which died itself finally in 2013 in Calcutta. Yeah, 
but it's a piece of history that i own and treasure and i and i and i use it wow same same way similarly whether it's a bike or a scooter uh, or cycles everything has an influence on my art and my work and my art form so everything is everything lends some sort of inspiration to it i mean i'm i've been a huge flight jacket collector for instance from world war 2 i collect army gear now my entire biker line and biker jackets have drawn inspiration from world war 2 flight jackets wow. whether it's the b55 or the b35 whichever the jacket style or the model is so for me that's my journey everything has a story to tell and i have to tell that story to my audience hmm. it's 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 my canvas during or that moment of 15 minutes or 20 minutes that i'm doing a show or i'm showing a collection that is my canvas that is my palette so if i don't have something to say i will not say it i cannot just do a show for the heck of it so i would say at least for me i'm only speaking for myself as a designer mm-hmm. it's an ever it's an ever in evolving i cannot be stagnant yeah that is the biggest downfall for me as a designer if i if i if i become stagnant ever wow and so i think that's what that's what keeps me going pretty much you spoke so many things <clears throat> and it's beautiful we can double click on many of them and you know vintage anything like you said has the hint of royal ness yes. in its approach uh, as you said whether it's even a old furniture uh, whether yeah. it's an vintage furniture maybe your ancestral furniture it just gives right. that feeling of royal and you know the old has always been close to my heart as well like at home i have a wardrobe which has been passed probably three generations now oh and nice you must send me a picture yes definitely i'd love uh, to see it yeah yeah it's heavy it's pure teak and you know it just and my uh, my wife would say hey let's replace it i said no uh, this is something i really near and dear to me absolutely i mean you won't you won't dream of seeing something like that i mean apart from being a piece of history yeah i mean i'm sure the workmanship on that or like the wood that you mentioned yeah. you won't get that today you cannot yeah. you can't even replicate this piece today yeah you know so that's what's really exciting yeah and you mentioned you mentioned you made a reference to royalty right. that's another huge chunk our our indian royalty that we have in Agreed. india mm-hmm. um and i love the way they have always dressed down the line i mean i'm basically i'm trained as a tailor as a cutter mm-hmm. i love to construct i love to work with my hands so to 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 today to do a bangala or a suit mm-hmm. really turns me on and is very exciting so to see a line of a garment that a raja or a maharaja or a prince possibly wore in the 1930s or the 1920s you know they lived they lived that life of of um of everything i mean yeah. it wasn't just lavish they lived the life of everything i mean it was it was over the top it was opulent they had everything at their beck and call yeah. so today even people make references to haute couture or they make references to you know bespoke tailoring i think these are all highly abused words yeah. i don't think people even in the industry get the half of the meaning of any of these words you know it took me 10 years for instance to have the guts or the balls or the courage to put arjun khanna couture and i'm a trained couturier yeah so to put couture on my label took me a long time i mean i was really embarrassed to do it till i till i felt really easy and comfortable with the game hmm. having said that bespoke or homemade or tailor made or coming to your doorstep has been an age old tradition when we didn't even know it yes. right up to today you see the ladies they'll get that patwa home to get the jewelry made for instance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they'll get a tailor home to get themselves measured it's not something new or novel in the west getting a service like this is really unique it's really novel therefore demands a certain cost and a fee yep therefore the high price of a couture label hmm. so coming back to royalty it's something that's also a huge chunk of design influence and inspiration that i draw from and somewhere you spoke about vintage and you know design and you know you having a single store you know typically today what's also happened uh, within the fashion or within the design world 
people don't care if there are three hundreds of them floating around of the same right. style, right? Because somebody else wore it, even I need it. But somewhere right. I see that you've not kind of mass produced also your stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The way I look at some of your designs and some of the your work, it's been unique. Right. It's been uh, few, uh, which also gives it exclusivity to the people who wear it in many ways. Am I right in Absolutely. saying that? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Yep. And and that's unique and that's tough to sustain as well because uh, masses... So, so, as yes, I mean, you've rightly pointed that out. I mean, as I said, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an artist. I mean, I cannot... Yeah. I cannot mass produce. Yeah. If you want mass produced garments, you have Zara, yeah. you have Mango, yeah. you've got tons of brands that do this. Yeah. I don't know how to mass produce. I don't want to mass produce. And ironically, the whole world has come down to its knees and is going back to exactly not mass producing. Yep. You know, it's all about sustainability. It's all about sustainable fashion, sustainable denim, sustainable God. I mean, it's all a full circle. Yeah. It's back to the drawing board today, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a business model that works differently for different people. Yep. Um, I have always been very comfortable with doing what I do. Sometimes I'll do one jacket and I won't even repeat it. So that, that client who's bought it is lucky. I mean, I, and he, he genuinely considers himself lucky. So I'm also myself, sorry, I've used the word lucky many times, but I'm also lucky to have clients who've come in and appreciated me for that art form, mm-hmm. you know. In turn, they've been able to, obviously if the size has been consistent in that client, has been able to wear that jacket or that outfit for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from when they bought the same outfit. I have so many people coming and telling me, you know what, I'm still wearing my wedding Sherwani. Wow, okay. So it's, it's, it's really delightful to hear that. Yeah. One, one, because it hasn't worn out. Two, it's also timelessness in the fashion. Yeah. Three, I don't do gimmicky stuff. I mean, I I play a lot with clothing. I I, I challenge tailoring. Uh, I'm a huge denim buff as well. Yeah. I play a lot with vintage denim. But again, it all boils down to boutique. Um, and what's the what's the best way to put it? I mean, it's it's like an artist painting a a canvas. I mean, mm-hmm. he can't mass produce. He can't mass produce that. Yep. That to me is my art of fashion. Now, again, mm-hmm. again, from a business point of view, this may not always be the finest business model. Yeah. But we do have we do have smaller lines like your kurtas or shirts, where I will do sort of maybe tens and fifteens and twenties of a similar style. Yeah. But that again, they're, they're in small quantities. It's not mass. And I'm and I'm no, it's not mass. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll do. Maybe I one day I'll do a label which is an off the rack label, which may not be just Arjun Khanna. Yeah. Maybe something else. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Buy Arjun Khanna. Yeah. So, that's still to come. <laughs> okay, and definitely would look forward to it. Uh, but just talking about creativity and you, you know, it it's so beautiful. You just said that you know, y- you are almost like an artist. You're not a fashion designer. You're not somebody <laughs> who's. You're almost an artist who's. Like you have a blank canvas and you can paint or you can draw, you can do anything you want. But to do be an artist, how does those creativity juices flow in? Like, how do you switch off to get into I that switch on mode? You know, I mean, this is something I don't know how to answer. I can't, as I mentioned, okay, it is an emotional love affair. It's it's almost like the agony and ecstasy of creating something. And that's what turns me on. I mean, it's like, it's almost sexual. I mean, I've got to be so turned on and excited. You know, in the earlier days, I'd fallen in love with my collections. Um, And when I was doing women's wear, I'd fall in love with the model. Or therefore, the terminology of having a muse. Hmm. You know, I mean, it is is a very sexual process and a journey. Hmm. Earlier, I'd create garments. Even today, I create garments and I just don't want to sell them. And people in my team will say, are you stupid? No, I don't think I'm stupid. I mean, I'm so in love with it. I'll do, let's say, 50 pieces or 60 pieces. Hmm. And out of them, 10 pieces, I just adore and I will not sell it. You know? Wow. Okay. Maybe stupid from a business point of view, but that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, 
it's an emotional love affair you got you got i mean it has to really turn me on hmm. so therefore i will do lesser shows i'll do lesser collections or fewer collections um uh, as i said i mean if i don't have something substantial to speak about or say i won't do it i mean it's pointless i i can't i can't churn out um clothing like a like a manufacturing machine i mean it's okay. not it's all handmade even my team works with me hands on it's on the drawing board it's on the table i'm very close with my tailors or my team or my masters that work with me uh, or the assistants that are working with me it's all hands on with the fabric with i mean it's an emotional love affair it's like making yep. food you know it's like it's like painting it's like working in oil mm-hmm. so i work in textile yeah that's the only difference but it's that it's a, it's like pottery yeah so how long it's does it textile. take how long does it take for let's say an idea being conceived to it coming to production you know sometimes ideas with me pour out and it's so frustrating because the time that it takes to make the collection i'm already on my 10th idea or the or the okay. 20th idea okay so that is my most actually my most frustrating time hmm. because i have to be patient it takes time to cut it takes time to source the garment the fabric for the garment it then takes time to stitch the garment and then put it all together there's lining and there's so much work in every garment that i make there's even embroidery in the lining yeah. or there's a certain kind of print that i do in the lining so my garments have to look as gorgeous from the inside as they do on the outside mm-hmm. so that time when i'm producing could take any time i don't know between from concept stage to making an entire collection between 1 to maybe 4 months mm-hmm. wow depending that's about a 50 piece collection okay um uh, and the time in there when i'm already on the third or the fourth idea is truly the most frustrating time because i'm already ready to look at what the second garment looks like or the third garment or the new idea looks like so therefore i've opened like two or three sampling units now with me okay but i'm doing little bit little bits of everything so i get up I mean, I get a visual of what it's looking like. It's like, it's like taking a piece, like a piece of paper, and you're painting on. Yeah. But a garment can't come out that quick. Yeah. So I've, so I've got, I've got sampling units that are doing, you know, little, little looks for me of every different collection. Yeah. So don't mind me asking this question, but uh, the yeah. art is in. Uh, everybody sees art differently, and uh, yeah. you may have had a lot of critiques also. and so right. since you're so emotionally involved with what you do how do you keep up with critiques or somebody who doesn't like your work so you know what i mean i've always maintained that whoever comes and sees my clothes or comes and sees a show when i when i meet them at the back or backstage or when, when my show's over mm-hmm. i can't bear a line that it was okay hey what did you think that was nice mm-hmm. i can't bear these words Okay. It's really I want I want to I want to kill the person. <laughs> you got you've got to say you got to say man bloody hell okay that was fantastic okay. or you got to say man that was shit. Okay. You know these two these two compliments are lovely for me. Okay. That in between guy really pisses me off. What okay. is okay? I am not okay. You know I can either be shit and I'm happy to be shit to you. It's your opinion or I can be fantastic which is fantastic to me. Let me tell you one thing. I've had a hall where I've had standing ovations, but that one person who doesn't get up or one person who doesn't clap will bother me. I will go back to the drawing board and recreate and come back with a vengeance with something new. Hmm. That's my turn on. That's my excitement. Very interesting. Okay. Now having having said all of this, of course, I mean, of course collections sometimes don't go down well. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I think I think the whole process of growing and evolving is realizing what works and what doesn't work yeah. and you can't live in your own bubble yep permanently we did initially it was a lovely space to be but today th- things are different it's a different time yeah and um that, and that your exposure is far too much right like what you mentioned earlier like yeah ju- just being on instagram you're reaching probably reaching millions of people earlier exactly. through fashion shows you would typically reach to 1000 people seeing it experiencing it and probably exactly. few more people I mean, who were interested in it today your your you've got eyeballs which are 
global. It, it's you can reach out to the world yep. with a with a with a click of a button. Now in those days we didn't have that. So you'd do a show, you'd get a press person coming in, they drive, then you're waiting eagerly for a Saturday or a Friday or a, whenever that publication would come out, mm -hmm. and that was it. Today, I mean, you do a photo session and a shoot, you're waiting for film to develop, and you're waiting eagerly to see your prints. Yeah. Today, the minute you shoot, it's instant gratification. Everything is now, yep. you know. So it's got its pros, it's got its cons, but I would say, yeah, I mean... Uh, that's that's what the whole game is all about. I mean, you can't have everybody loving what you do. Sure. So you when know, you're, so, uh, yeah. Just changing a little bit on the fashion itself. So when you're designing clothes, right? Whom yeah. do you have in mind? Uh, like, is it yourself? Like whether you're going to wear it? Uh, because you know, pretty much yes. I mean, pretty much yes. I mean, I design clothes that I'd wear. Okay. I love I love clothing. I love vintage clothing. I love denim. I love leather jackets. I love flight jackets. Mm -hmm. I love, um, I don't know, uniform. I love military uniform. Um, so I draw inspiration from all this. I love suit making. I just love the art of Seville Row. I love the Italian style of dressing. I've always been hugely inspired by the mafia and the way they used to dress. Wow. Godfather, okay. Okay, Godfather yes. was my absolute idol, still is. Every single mafia movie or gang movie or... Italian mafioso movie okay. <laughs> always turned me on. One of my first collections that went on official onto stage when I joined on some was Mafia, all about the Mafia. It was only about suits and overcoats. Hmm. Um, you know, you also talked about, you asked me a question about critiques yeah. and people not liking your collection. Uh, a very interesting thought came to me. In those days, I was always called or considered very avant-garde. Huh. I, did, I did a collection of jackets I'm talking about easily 10, 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Which I had embroidered lots of flowers on sports blazers and linen. Uh -huh. And that was the first time I actually got a lot of people who'd say, man, what's wrong with this guy? He's put flowers on jackets. It's so feminine. Hmm. Today, look around you. Yes. Every single jacket, every single other designer is almost aping one another, yep. doing flowers on their jackets. Look back 20 years on one of my collections, or 15 years, I, I did jackets then and I was mocked. Hmm. So, fashion comes the whole cycle. Yep. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what I love and enjoy looking back on. Yeah. You know, it's a full cycle. It is. Like the bell bottoms, which people would make fun of. I still remember. Absolutely. They're, the they're, they're trickling in. They would have been here now yeah. if 2020 wasn't what it is. Yes. Bell bottoms are—they're on their way back. I mean, but yeah. or the skinny. Everything's on hold. Yeah, the skinny clothes—they're all. Yeah, over or the right skinny dra drain pipe look. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I—that's what I love about fashion or the history of fashion. Yeah. It really excites me to see the trends and what what I find unique is one again to answer your question. I, I always dress. I always make the clothes or imagine the clothes. Uh, if it's not a mafia movie. It is, it is something that I would wear, and they have to be functional as well. Yeah. You know, from a suit to a denim jacket, they've got to be really functional and comfortable, hmm. and they've just got to be beautiful. Yeah. You've got to take off that jacket, and it's got to be as gorgeous from the inside. Yep. So that to me is just—it's all about making beautiful clothing. You said it, meaning I shouldn't say it, meaning I always <laughs> tell. Anybody, whenever I get my custom jacket, you know, people will say, oh, don't worry about the inside. I was like, no. I think that's what yeah. shows the quality of the right jacket. Absolutely. Right? You know, it could, be a, it could be a riding jacket. It could be a, it could be a you know, biker jacket. Yes. When you're riding, you're riding a motorcycle, you got to feel really good. Not just look good, but you got to feel really good in that jacket. Yes. <clears throat> so talking about riding, I'm also a, a Harley rider. Uh, and that's how we got connected. Yes, I believe so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a bicycle. Recently, I bought a bicycle. So. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So, talking about, uh, you know, and, and just building on this, you know, uh, how you design and you think about yourself wearing it. Uh, but right. often than not, you are not on the stage. Uh, you have your right. models or you have your celebrity who's wearing it. There's a difference between wearing and carrying it off. 
right? Uh, right. There's a big difference in that, like how your shoulders are, how you walk, how you, right. you know. So how do you ensure that what you feeling is passed on to somebody else who is about to wear what you've designed? So again, I mean, for me, uh, again, there are many aspects to answer that question. For me, it has to be... Um, it's it's like a movie it's it's got to be a script it's got to be a movie i'm telling a story during that time of mm-hmm. my show mm-hmm. okay therefore today or if you look at any of my shows i get models in various um i don't know looks some may have a beard some may have a mustache mm-hmm. some may have straight shoulders some may have droopy shoulders you know i mean it's like they're different body types yep obviously obviously as a whole they're pretty much a similar size because it's easier for us to do a collection as a sample line yeah. of 50 60 pieces with one size line mm-hmm. of course when it goes into the goes into the uh, boutiques we obviously cater to different sizes yeah. and during that time when i'm painting my canvas on the ramp mm-hmm. i will style every individual differently mm-hmm. some will come out with a bandana some will come out with a hat some will come out with glasses it's my imagination of how this movie is unfolding and telling its story to the audience mm-hmm. so the different characters okay you know and i that's the thing i mean i live in my own world okay. so i'm i'm trying i'm trying to portray that world or tell my story during that time mm-hmm. it's again it's like the it's like a like a painter painting his canvas yeah. once he's painted it's hanging on a wall now it's how you interpret it uh-huh. you may love it you may hate it you may cry you may laugh that's your emotion he can't control that mm-hmm. so you may come in and say man i love that jacket i want to wear it every damn day of my life mm-hmm. i don't want to get out of it fantastic for me yeah. or you may come in and say you know what no man it's on my scene i i'm not going to wear that jacket cool i hear it yeah i was, uh, don't, say, was don't, don't don't be one of those in between guys who say it's okay And it's also a state of mind for somebody who's watching it as well now since i've been because of this lockdown you know fitness is one thing uh yeah. psych- so cycling and when i watched that video of yours i was it was so relatable to me because i'm in that state right. of mind right now uh right. that you know i can probably not in india so much because of the weather yeah. especially yeah. in mumbai but you know if i'm in some other parts of the world uh, yeah. you know, wearing that and going uh, and on a s- bicycle it would not look odd uh, in fact i would openly do it so there's so there's there's something very interesting you said and i like to sort of hopefully try and make you uh not change it's a strong word maybe look at it differently mm-hmm. and maybe you will address it differently now you said you know i may wear this abroad mm-hmm. and i may not look like that and i may feel odd in india so that's something that i'd love to like today if i was to wear something i wear retro clothing i don't wear if you see me cycling on marine drive mm-hmm. i will not look like 25 other th- or 1000 other cyclists who are cycling down on marine drive mm-hmm. you know i ride a steel bike i ride a vintage machine which i restored myself okay i will wear retro gear hmm. and it's one of and it's unique i feel good it's about how you feel mm-hmm. okay. the minute you start feeling good in what you wear you stop feeling odd of course we also have climate constraints yeah that is why i was I, saying yeah i wish we could wear a lot of stuff that you but our climate doesn't allow us to wear that of course true. yep but but uh having said that yeah i mean people who travel wear this when you travel abroad but mm-hmm. of course i mean you got to i feel you got to you got to really feel good to look good yep. in what you wear so talking about you know sometimes i'm a big guy uh we right. uh and in size uh, as well and sometimes yeah. fashion uh and what you see kind of puts people like us out of the mix in many ways right uh, okay. and you said that that when you are in the boutique you would develop uh, develop content uh, or develop styles which caters to yeah. different sizes but when it okay. comes to uh modeling industry or actually showcasing the products it's always a certain size and certain scale uh, what do you think about that like so again you know referring to sizing and a size chart yep. even that 
is now changing today. Mm-hmm. You look at models internationally, look at models all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have a tall guy, short guy, dark guy, uh, light guy. Um, I don't know. You'll have colored guys. You've got guys with beards. You've got curly hair. You've got straight hair. You've got, I don't know, big guys, skinny guys. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's what the designer wants to portray and everything works today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think those days are anymore that it's only got to be a certain size. Yep. I per se don't follow that anymore. Okay. Um, I'd probably dress anybody who'd look good, who, who carries off my garment with a certain, um, certain amount of ease, Yep. Comfort and a shitload of attitude, yeah. you know, and with an easy sense of style. You're not wearing something, you know. I mean, I can tell when somebody's wearing something. Uh, let me tell you something. Okay, let me put it more sort of um, interesting. You see, you look at most men over here who get into a suit; mm-hmm. they will suddenly go all stiff. Yeah. Why? Because they're not used to wearing a suit. Yes. It's nothing to do with being fat or thin. Yeah. It's just not our culture. It's mm-hmm. not, we don't dress in suits. So the minute you put the guy into a suit and a tie, he'll become stiff. Yep. You look at Europe, I mean, the guy, everybody's in a suit. Mm-hmm. So it's part of his skin. It's part of his way of moving. Yep. So similarly, it's how you wear that garment yep. is what I'd love to see and portray and change. You've got to feel good in that garment. Mm-hmm. I can show you a great-looking jacket, but if you don't look good or you don't feel good, you're not going to look good in that garment. I can't force it onto you, yeah. being a designer. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, and let's talk about, yeah. you did talk about your team, uh, whether yeah. they are your masters, or people who are helping you paint the picture, all of that. Uh, if I have to ask them, how is Arjun Khanna, or how is AK, what would they say as per you? <laughs> um, I think you ask anybody in my team at least I would hope the one thing that they would say and I'm sure they actually actually I'm sure they would say that is that I'm I'm a com- I'm a lunatic when it comes to perfection okay and I'm a complete I mean I am anal I am um I don't know, every damn OCC, ACC, DCC, you name it. I mean, I'm every damn word when it comes to lines, levels, detailing. Okay. And if there is, I mean, okay, if you ask them, is there Saab, Saab, ek aada suit ka bhi mistake pakar lenge humko. Hmm. <laughs> I think that in a nutshell it is. Okay. I mean, you know, if you do buttonholes, <laughs> I don't have to measure it. He'll hold it up. And if one is even, I'm talking about like half a millimeter at an angle mm-hmm. or off or okay. the gaps are a little less. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's a sickness. I mean, I'll tell you straight away there's off. Okay. And many times I've been challenged. Nice, I said to my place go. And it's measured. It is exactly that much off. It mm-hmm. makes me ill. But it also makes me very high. Mm. <laughs> so Interesting. I'm, ha- I'm happy with it at the moment. Hmm. <laughs> so you always yeah, wanted to be this uh, fashion in fashion industry. What got you really kicked about? Like you studied fashion in London. Uh, uh, I don't know if I always wanted to be a designer. I mean, I've always wanted to be. In, I've always been very creative. I've always wanted to work with my hands. Okay. I've always, always with everything that I wanted to do, right from being a movie star. Uh, Mafia Don, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> fighter pilot. Okay. I wanted to ride. I wanted wanted to sort of fly MIGs. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I, um, so from wanting to do everything, I've always wanted to dress well. Mm-hmm. I've always dressed differently. I wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be unique. So I think this fever started from, I think, the sixth standard or the seventh standard in school. Okay. My uniform, my uniform couldn't be the same. Interesting. So don't ask me how I did it. I went. We only wore a white shirt and a white pair of trousers. Okay. Even that, I even that I got my mum to get me a tailor, and I had turn ups on my pants. I'd have a turn up or a cuff on my shirt. I'd have to have some damn different detail on my shirt that made me stand out from my class. So Interesting. 
whatever the hell I did, it was always it was always clothing that came. Then I just loved the construction of a garment and suit making. Hmm. And in those days, there was just no school that taught fashion to men. There was S and B T and Sapphire, which only did uh, I don't know fashion courses yep. for women. Yep. So therefore, the move to London. Hmm. If you spoke about you wanted to do various things as as a child, so let's say if I yes. give you your time machine now, and right. it gets you back into eighties, and uh, yeah. you have a choice: you can either relive what you have lived for the last thirty years in this industry, or yeah. you can go ahead and reduce it and probably achieve what you have achieved in shorter time, or live a completely different <laughs> life. Uh, than what you are living today. What would you choose? So let me tell you one thing. That's such a that's such an interesting question, and I've never actually gone back that far okay. and thought. I don't have many regrets actually. I mean, I'm pretty happy and content. Okay. Um, but going back 30 years, I would have certainly done something to do. Um, to what's the word? I mean, okay. To look at it as a business where I'd make. Lots and lots of money. Okay. So I could have lived this lifestyle 30 years ago. Okay. Therefore, collected those many more things down the line 30 mm-hmm. years later. Okay. So basically, lived the vintage style and the life of the Great Gatsby 30 years ago. Very pretty much in a nutshell. Very interesting. <laughs> As I said, I wasn't a businessman, mm-hmm. so I didn't know how to make money. Okay. I still don't. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you spoke about your inspiration, where it stems from. Now, there are a lot of people within, uh, and when I say people, youngsters who are looking to either get into the industry or actually pursuing their career within the industry. What would your thoughts be to them? So, I mean, again, there are so many people, as I said again earlier, Mm-hmm. Fashion today is a booming industry. It's a huge industry. Um, you look at every single neighborhood, every single corner store. If it's not a tailor, it's a it's a boutique. If it's not a boutique, it's haute couture. Mm-hmm. You know. So I find it blasphemous in many ways. But again, in the same breath, everybody's doing okay. Everybody's yeah. making some money. Everybody's mm-hmm. selling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in the industry. Therefore, everybody's in a huge, big, fat rat race. Mm-hmm. My biggest advice to any youngster coming to the business is that, you know what, arm yourself. Again, it depends on what you want out of it. Yeah. If it's purely the business, if it's purely just selling, then do whatever the hell you're doing. And if it's working, go with it and stay with it. But if you want to be a designer of any repute, you want to be a designer of any passion, Find that compassion. Be, I don't know, pursue the art form. Be true to yourself mm-hmm. first. And get arm yourself with some element of uh, knowledge when it comes to the construction and the making of your garments. So you're not dependent of, you're not dependent only on your karigar. You're mm-hmm. not dependent only on your tailor. You're mm-hmm. not dependent only on your master. You know, today, I'm not stuck. If nobody came in, I can still construct the damn garment. I love making the clothes. Wow. Okay. You know? So, you need to have some, just arm yourself with some of these elements. Hmm. And again, just be true to yourself here. Yeah? Okay. You know, be natural, be true to yourself, and stop aping what your next door neighbor or the more successful designer is doing. Do your own thing. Hmm. I find that's the saddest thing in our industry. Yep. And I'm, and there I'm not talking it. about, you know, I'm not talking about only the juniors. Yeah. I'm talking about a lot of senior designers also. You know, I mean, you pick up a magazine, everybody almost has become clones of each other. I can't tell who's who's done whom. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you look at a sari or a lenga, it all looks the same. The ads look the same. The clothes look the same. And that's what I find really sad here yeah, because a lot of these guys have a, had a very strong individual style earlier on. Today, a sari looks the same. Today, look at the people who are the, the jet set that are buying these clothes. They all look the same. Yeah. You know, so I find that really sad. The uniqueness and the individuality is somewhere down the line lost. 
on a closing note, uh, we are on top of our hour. Any fun, right. interesting moment? Fashion industry has a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Which you still remember, and when you look back, you still laugh about it. God, so many, so many, so many. I mean, I I could almost write a book on these ones. But I think the earliest earliest memory I had was when I used to be interviewed by so many press people. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd come and ask me, you know, to be a successful designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very pertinent personal question: How come you're not gay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this used to laugh. I used to laugh, okay. and you know, you don't have to be gay to be successful as yeah. a designer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> stereotyping and it almost. Right? I love all my fellow designers who are gay or are not yeah. gay, but I said, you know what? What's the damn? What's your sexual preference got to do with being an artist or a or or a successful designer? Hmm. So this is really the top of the line that comes forward, <laughs> and it used to really fascinate me. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what the fuck? You don't have to be gay to be a a good designer. Yeah. <laughs> No, Arjun, this has been fun, uh, interesting conversation. And on that point, which you mentioned, it's about the stereotyping. I think the fashion industry has been looked upon in a very different lens for many years, and it's changed yes. in the yes, last last decade specifically. Uh, Absolutely, and and I and I really feel you know this is the time, and I'm sure you've heard this, and yeah. everybody's heard this, but I really feel we need to say take stock and actually do something and learn. from what's going on on the planet today yeah. you know 2020 we've learned a, a huge blow to i don't know to everybody's faces yeah. we're down on our knees so i think apart from the fashion industry i think every single industry needs to take stock of what they are doing to the planet yeah. and let's all make a difference really yeah. thank you a beautiful lord on that uh, thank you for your time arjun it was great chatting up with you I'm sure Likewise, Ani. Pleasure, and I must thank um, Ronnie for this. Yes. Thank you, and I and I hope to see you in person sometime soon. Definitely. On a ride. Definitely. <laughs> sure. Fantastic. When the bikes are out, definitely we'll be together. Yes. Super, Ani. Thank care. you so much. Yep. Good luck. Stay safe. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening in, and we close yet another episode of Masters Decoded. If you've enjoyed the episode, please you can help us out. by sharing it on social media I would personally appreciate that it's how we can reach more listeners and the more listeners we have the more awesome guests I can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations that are a joy to have for me and I hope they are a joy for you to listen as well you can also help a lot leaving reviews on iTunes or your podcast service of choice Reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners. If this episode has intrigued you, I would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes. With that, I bid you and see you in the next episode.